Welcome back to an Omnipratus. I'm Jay, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Angela, your other co-host. And welcome to Our Life. <laughs> Sorry, it was too good to resist. <laughs> oh, good lord. While Angela continues on her <laughs> laughing break, if that did not allude to what this episode is going to be about, we are talking about everyone's favorite Sunday night ritual. Euphoria. You are not on TikTok. You are of good mental health or a stable person. You may or may not have heard of this show. But if you're in our camp. Live, laugh, loving. We were late to Euphoria. Okay, yeah. So March of 2020, everyone. I first watched Euphoria, and then Jay watched a little bit after that. We were, in fact, a year late yes. on it, I believe. I had no access to HBO prior to this. Mm -hmm. And I was pitched Euphoria as a show about parents worrying about their children. So I wasn't as interested as I was when I first saw the trailer. It was one of those instances where the trailer didn't match the content. Kind of like how Marvel used to do when they would put deleted scenes in the trailer. Well, to I mean, throw they still cut th they still cut things out and switch yeah. people. One of the things that made me peek to watch is Angela. As we all know, Boomer Angela was like, "Jay, is this what the teens are really like now?" I'm afraid. <laughs> so then I was now curious to see what her, Angela's now perception of Gen Z and younger was like. Yeah, I was a little concerned because I what they are in season one, they're sophomores and juniors. Yes. Spoiler, in season two, they are still sophomores and juniors. Are you sure? Yeah. It was just so different from my experience and the like the previously depicted shenanigans that I could relate to. I had very little relation to this. So I was I was very curious. So this will be full of spoilers. We are actually doing a two-parter. You will not be experienced a two-parter, but we are doing part one today, February 26th. Tomorrow, February 27th at 6 p.m. PST, 9 p.m. ET, the season finale will be coming out and we will be wrapping up and finishing this episode up. So obviously spoilers for season two and one if you haven't seen it yet and we'll make predictions. And then tomorrow in real time for us in still future past time travel time for you, you'll see what we got right. We should just change out the bio for our podcast and put the Smart Hulk quote. I have it somewhere. <laughs> but for those of you who are just out there completely unfamiliar with Euphoria, it is an HBO series that was created by Sam Levinson and adopted from an Israeli television show of the same name euphoria and it premiered in 2019 drake is one of its executive producers and it stars zendaya sydney sweeney jacob alordi maude apatow alexa demi and hunter thompson not thompson <laughs> hunter schaefer <laughs> hunter schaefer <laughs> just kidding we'll have to hunt that we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to did you forget eric dane I, I did forget Eric Dane, yes. Um, McSteamy. I know. Also for all of us privileged enough to have HBO slash HBO Max, I love the meme where they're like, I love how in an alternate universe, Cal and Chey Diaz had a baby together for those <laughs> Grey's Anatomy fans. Oh, also if you have seen And Just Like That, please let us know. We might talk about that at no. some point. No? Okay. We're gonna give it a second season. They might just have needed a good start. Maybe. We'll find out. But yes, what about Hunter S. Thompson? <laughs> Hunter Schaefer, right? Yes, Hunter Schaefer. <laughs> Not Hunter Thompson. So yeah, they are... Oh, and, and Barbie... Fieri? Fieria? Fiera? Let me look that up really quick. You literally have it. Oh, the IMDb open. No, I don't. Yes, but you had the list of all the episodes, and if you go to the tab where cast, it just tells you everyone in the cast. Oh. Let's, we're going to do this one more time. <laughs> Three, two, one. Cast redo, part five trillion. <laughs> All right. So first up on the cast list, we have Zendaya. Zendaya plays our anti-hero, hero, resilient main character. 
Rue. Rue is a sophomore in high school. Yes. When we meet her, she is recently out of rehab. She went to rehab for the summer for overdosing her freshman year. Mm-hmm. Her backstory is kind of her father passed away to numb her feelings of things. She would take his drugs, which started her opiate addiction. And before that, even as a child, she just was a very anxious kid. Rue lives with her mom and little sister, Gia. All right, next up, Hunter. Who? Hunter Schaefer. (laughs) Hunter Schaefer, who plays the character of Jules. She is the new kid on the block. Starts out with kind of a precarious beginning. She prostitutes herself to the father of Nate Jacobs, who you'll hear about in a little bit. Doesn't know. He doesn't know she is a minor. She doesn't know he is a father of a student that she goes to school with. Has definitely a tougher exterior, but her and Rue seem to connect. It's weird because I didn't really feel it. Like I know you're supposed to feel it, but they were just kind of off. And season one leaves off with Jules asking Rue to follow her to New York and Rue jumping off the train because she's scared. So Jules goes by herself and they haven't seen each other since. There were also two filler extra episodes to elaborate a little bit more into Jules and her challenges, struggles, thoughts as a trans woman. And Rue's is about talking with her sponsor about addiction. Mm -hmm. All right, next up we have Sydney Sweeney. And Sydney plays Cassie Howard, the older blonde bombshell sister to Lexi Howard, who is Rue's best friend. And Cassie is the golden girl, like most beautiful sought after. All American. All American girl next door of East Highland High School. All the guys want her. Cassie looking for love is totally available to all the guys, but she's also a total girl's girl. And she generally always has her best friend Maddie's back and is always open to her little sister Lexi and Rue and their friends hanging out with them. And in season two, we see... The one thing I was going to add about Cassie Mm -hmm. is, as Angela said, her desire for love, I would call it abandonment issues from a absent father. (laughs) Yep, definitely that. (laughs) Which we explore more in season two. Correct. (laughs) Great. And next up, we've got Angus Cloud, who plays... Fezco. Fun fact, I think I am only two degrees away from knowing and or meeting him. That would be really cool. Fezco plays the drug dealer of East Thailand? Eastern yes. High? High? East Thailand. Of East Thailand. <laughs> He's kind of the the one you want to root for, even though he's a drug dealer. He lives with his grandmother, who his ailing grandmother, and a younger brother figure who was collateral from a drug deal. He's doing his best with the cards he's been dealt. It's very clear you want to fight and feel for his kind heart. While he also is the school's drug dealer and guns and sketchy shit gets involved. He wants the best for Rue and is always trying to limit and like have her do better for herself, but also is like a good big brother when she inevitably messes up. And then we have Alexa Demi who plays Maddie Perez. She's Cassie Howard's best friend, also on the dance team. She is the resident bad bitch of East Highland High School. Maddie has really strong opinions about everything and will let you know at any time. She's the on-again, off-again girlfriend of Nate Jacobs, the quarterback of the football team. As it should be. And what, I guess Maddie's main motivation is to have a great life with all the nice things. (laughs) With as little work as possible as explored in season one. Into. Yeah. All right. And now we have Maude Apatow. Who, yes, for those who are surprised to find out, is the biological daughter of director Judd Apatow and actress Leslie Mann. What a shock. <laughs> so Maude plays Lexi Howard, Cassie Howard's younger sister. They're a year apart, so she's a sophomore. And as we mentioned, she's Rue Bennett's best friend. Lexi. Childhood best friend. Childhood best friend. While Cassie may look the part of what we call the all-American girl, girl next door, Lexi kind of actually is. Like she's the little sweetheart who doesn't stray too far from the path. She really plays the good girl and doesn't try to get into much trouble. Like she's always a tag along to her sister and her friends, but Lexi definitely is more... Wet blanket? Ah, 
I was gonna say more the color inside the lines type. Sure. Yeah. In the Halloween episode, she's Bob Ross and everyone else is a slutty, slutty something. Yeah. And in season two, Lexi kind of starts coming into her own when she develops a romantic relationship with Fesco. Yes. Ooh. All hail. King of the kissing booth. I was like, Noah. <laughs> I was like, Noah, not Centineo. Noah and Lee. Oh my God. Do I forget the last name? Am I disowned? I don't remember Elle's last name either. Do they have last names? They do have last names. He goes by his Shh. last name. Oh my God. It's not. Oh my God. His name is Nate Jacobs on the show. And then Noah. Ah, oh, shit. No, 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 no. Oh, don't, don't. Oh my God. This is going to drive me insane. We're pausing this episode until I can remember. <laughs> Flynn. Yes. And Elle Rochelle Evans. Evans. I said it first. We have audio evidence. Oh my God. I had like a panic attack. And this is what, I almost called him Nick Jacobs cheese. This is what Jacob Ellardy would consider his first real acting role. And he doesn't like to acknowledge his humble roots. Mm-hmm. But yep, Nate oh Jacobs, God. star quarterback of the school in all of his 6'5 hotness is played by <laughs> Jacob Elordi. Um, Nate Jacobs is also hands down the most toxic, scary character we have in the entire series. And since we are re-recording this, give us our trigger warning. <laughs> trigger yes. warning for suicide. Relationship abuse. Drug abuse. Human trafficking. Gun violence. Self-alcohol abuse. <laughs> general violence, sexual material and violence as the warning gives us. Mm -hmm. Mature audience, mature themes. NC-17 rating, all the things. Yes. Yes. So in season one, we get to see Jake explore his super toxic relationship. <laughs> we get to see Jake explore what? We get to see Nate Jacobs. Oh, it's really hard. His name is Jacob Elordi and his character is Nate Jacobs. Oh my Lord. Okay. We get to see Nate Jacobs explore his super toxic relationship with Maddie. And then in season two, we get to see him explore his relationship with her best friend, Cassie. Dun, dun, and dun. also the super toxic power struggle he has with his father, Cal. All right. And now we have Storm Reed. Storm Reed got her acting start, at least where I know, in A Wrinkle in Time. Mm -hmm. She plays Gia Bennett, Rue's younger sister, who is suffering immensely as her father also died and is now watching her older sister be a drug addict hot mess, yelling and abusing their mother. Dominic Fike. A newbie on the block. He comes in in season two. He is also, um, I believe, of at least half Filipino descent. I know people were commenting on Asian representation and I recently learned that Dominic is part Filipino and allegedly dating Hunter Schaefer in real life. Dominic plays Elliot, a fellow drug connoisseur who does not know Rue is in recovery and becomes her drug buddy season two. And her, Jules, and Elliot kind of get into a Jules and Jim situation. Yep. All right. And then we have Barbie Ferreria, who plays Kat Hernandez. Kat is a part of Cassie and Maddie's girl group. And in season one, we see Kat explore a sexual awakening and it ends with her kind of getting into what we think is going to be the nicest, most stable relationship of the entire group with this super sweet guy, Ethan. But then in season two, it opens up and we find out that she is severely unhappy. And yeah. Yeah, and it's not okay. Um, Algie Smith, he is in season two very briefly, but he was more of a prominent character in season one. Chris McKay, he is an older graduate of East Highland, friends with Nate from the football team, and he was Cassie Howard's boyfriend for a time until they had an unplanned pregnancy and she wanted to keep it and he did not. Spoiler, she did not end up keeping the baby though. Mm -hmm. And then we have Austin Abrams, another newbie, or not a newbie to the block, but a more prominent character. He plays Ethan, Kat's boyfriend, and we kind of see him as just the super nice, sweet guy. Who He's she the male really, Yeah, she really wants to be into him, but it's just not working until they break up in season the, two. In season two. And we'll get into it. Yeah, and he reemerges in a new light. And last but not least for our main cast. Mm -hmm. We have Eric Dane. McSteamy! <laughs> yes, Dr. Mark Sloan returns as Cat. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say returns. Returns. 
No. Yeah, he definitely does not return. Now plays Cal Jacobs, Nate Jacobs' father, a closeted gay man who plays the role of upstanding figure in the town that kind of Upstanding like, Christian father. Upstanding? Yes. And businessman. Yeah, he does. Chili making? Yeah, he checks all of the boxes and all of them are lies. And he sleeps with Jules, thinking she's of age. Yeah. She is 17. Yep. And season two is all about him coming to terms with the fact that now people know and he will be ruined. Or he thinks that people know. Yeah. And thinks that he'll be ruined. So as this was very overwhelming, we are going to kind of like divide and conquer per episode. We're going to give you a few highlights. My team consists of Zendaya, Hunter Schaefer, Dominic Fike, Angus Cloud, and... Ashtray, whose biological name I do not remember, whose real name I do not remember. Javon. Javon. Mm-hmm. And character-wise, that will be Rue, Jules, Elliot, who I might call Eli. Just know if I say Eli, I mean Elliot. <laughs> Ashtray, Fez, and some of their friends we meet in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And my team is... Sydney Sweeney, Alexa Demi, Maude Apatow, Jacob Alordi, Barbie Ferreria, Algie Smith, Austin Abrams, and Eric Dane, known to you as Cassie, Maddie, Lexi, Nate, Kat, Chris, or McKay, Ethan, and Cal. I know it sounds like I gave Angela a lot more work, but we're splitting among plot lines. Mm -hmm. So we can't, it'd be weird to split it another direction. So season two, episode one, trying to get to heaven before they close the door, which is a reference to trying to get to heaven by Bob Dylan. Oh, that's cool. So from my, my side of the table, we learn about Fezco, our drug dealer with the heart of gold backstory. It starts with his grandma taking him and placing him in the car and having him wait while she goes into a strip club to tell Fezco's father he will no longer have any contact with him. As she's informing him of this, he is getting blown. And once the female removes herself, grandma shoots the dad, her son-in-law, in the penis then walks right out and takes Fezco home with her. Fezco is learning the family business of drug dealing, learning about how everything works. And one day, as collateral, a little baby is left in their care, who we then get to know and love as Ashtray. So season two starts with that, and it starts with a new supplier of drugs due to an incident last season. Fez takes Ashtray and Rue to the new supplier to check her out. Her name is Lori and kind of see what kind of deals they can do. Once that negotiation and situation is complete, they head to the main New Year's Eve party. Where Maddie, Lexi, Kat, and Jules are already hanging out, but we find out that no one knows where Cassie is and that she and Lexi had a fight on the way to the party and Cassie made Lexi stop the car so that she could get out. So while they're all looking for her, we flash to Cassie who is sitting in the parking lot of a mini mart on the side of the road and who finds her but Nate Jacobs who has recently again broken up with Maddie and he offers to give Cassie a ride to the party. How generous. Mm-hmm. On the car ride there, Nate and Cassie engage in a very steamy flirtationship and when we flash back to the party where Lexi and Maddie are looking for her, Maddie decides to check the bathroom and who's on the other side of the door having sex? Nate and Cassie. Nate then makes Cassie hide in the shower so that he can leave so that Maddie won't find out about them. And do they succeed? They do succeed. Cassie ends up laying in the shower for the longest time while Maddie hangs out with another guy. We then get to see Lexi sit on the couch and just decompress about the entire situation with Fezco after he's now arrived at the party. And Rue makes a new friend, Mm -hmm. which is where, oh, I almost said Ethan, shoot. (laughs) Elliot comes in. Elliot does not know Rue or her past. So when he offers her drugs and they're in the laundry room together, he knows nothing about it. Meanwhile, as Angela said, Jules is trying to find Rue for them to make up, reconcile, be better than they are. And they do by the end of the night. Mm -hmm. And this episode ends with, ready for the battle? Yup. Fezco going to the bar to get a drink. 
with Nate Jacobs. They cheers, they olive branch, they say like next Nate kind of being surprised that Fez is being so cordial. Mm-hmm. And it goes happy new year, everyone kisses, and Fez grabs a bottle and bashes it over Nate Jacobs' head. He gets all bloody before punching him to no end. And that's how our episode ends. We start episode two. Out of Touch, which is a reference to the 1984 Hall Note single, Out of Touch. <laughs> we start episode two with Maddie, Cassie, and McKay dragging Nate from the party to get him to the hospital. It's during this time that Nate decides, feels, he falls in love with Cassie, watching her beautiful face over him as he sits in the back, as he lays in the back of Maddie's car as she rushes him to the hospital. And then we see Nate in the hospital recovering. Cal comes in, his father, and demands to know who did this, but obviously Nate isn't going to say anything. Snitches get stitches. (laughs) And Nate's already getting stitches. Mm -hmm. So what does Cal do? So Cal goes to visit Cassie and Lexi to ask them what they know about what happened that night. And neither one of them want to say anything, but then Cal threatens them and Cassie bills on Fezco, which then prompts Lexi to run out to the mini mart that he runs to warn him. And over here on Team Love Triangle, Jules meets Elliot for the first time at school and starts to get a not so great feeling about his relationship with Rue. She's in the right place as he is now doing drugs with her, but she thinks it's more of a romantic thing. They just got recoupled, not really sure how to feel about that. And that's about what my team's doing this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also Rue, while she's on one of her late night bike rides, living high off drugs in life, she sees Cassie getting into Nate's car. Yes. So over on my teen, we finish things out with Pat attempting to go on a date with Ethan, but she's really going through it with, what would you call it? Like social media burnout? Content overload? Yeah, like content overload. Just really draining her and reinforcing some negative self-image. And then this episode, and that's actually a really great scene. We'll link that for you guys. They did it really well. I liked it a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Which takes us into episode number three, Rumination. Big and Little Bullies, which is a reference to Robert Rauschenberg's artwork of the same name. I'm not in this episode, Angela. Take it away. (laughs) So this episode starts... Oh, shoot. So this episode actually starts out with the origin story of Cal Jacobs and focuses on his time in high school with his best friend Derek and how he always kind of felt an attraction to him but didn't really know how to express that and then channeled his romantic proclivities into his high school girlfriend Marsha who spoiler becomes his wife that was like a very homoerotic montage like everything oh yeah one they're on the wrestling team mm-hmm. like can you get more homoerotic than like men groping each other like on the floor mm-hmm. and then the dancing scene at the bar like yeah it was very intense and it's one of those things where not even just Cal's behavior but everyone around him kind of signifies that like they know that he is is not straight, but he feels a lot of really deep shame that comes from his father's judgment. And finally, in the culmination after graduation, he finally expresses his feelings for his best friend Derek. Derek reciprocates and he is so happy. But the night after that happens, he finds out that his high school girlfriend, Marsha, is pregnant with their oldest son. And that is how we get the Cal Jacobs of today. Episode then cuts to Rue gaslighting her younger sister about her alleged drug use. Rue then does one of her famous Rue school kind of segments where she explains how she had been preparing to start this lie and manipulate everyone around her and gaslight her sister into letting her think she's just smoking weed even though she's doing hard drugs again. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they run out. So Rue and Elliot come up with a business plan to get more drugs. And Fez, as we said, the drug dealer, the heart of gold, Mm -hmm. says, "Uh uh-uh. So Rue goes around him to his supplier, his new supplier, Lori, who is a creepy ex-teacher. Then Rue goes to AA, talk to her sponsor, and once again completely insults 
and creates a space where he cuts ties with her again. She just burned it to the ground in that episode. Yup. Yeah. And then meanwhile, on my team, Cassie has started a secret relationship with Nate and he's put a lot of restrictions on when and where they can see each other, how and when they can talk or text. And Lexi has noticed that something is up and she's getting really frustrated with her sister and her behavior. And she decides to channel her energy into writing a play about everything that she's been observing. Lexi asks for permission to get the play performed at school. And because of like her model student status, the principal just says no without like a second thought and apparently zero oversight. And then while this is going on, Nate then decides that he, okay, we don't exactly know this at the time, but Nate is essentially playing a long game where he decides that he wants to be with Cassie, but to be with Cassie, he has to go about it completely covertly, break up with her, and then channel his energy into getting back together with Maddie because Maddie has the tape of his father having sex with Jules, and he knows that that can ruin his entire family's life and therefore ruin his life. So he has to get that back from her before he can move on with Cassie out in the open. Which leads us to episode number four, who you cannot see think of those who can based on phrase often reproduced on leaflets distributed by French Surrealist. This episode starts with Jules, who has been very jealous and insecure and resistant to Elliot, kissing him. Mm-hmm. While Rue is in the shower. Is, I think this is the, this is the, her reflection on love. So it's all her and Jules and all the different situations. Love that episode. Love yep. that montage. Yeah, so that starts and Jules and Elliot, you can kind of feel the tension building from them in the other episodes. Like, how many guys have you slept with? Oh, I don't sleep with guys. Like, why not? Like, oh, like, do you like having sex with Rue? Like, I don't know. Like, do you think about having sex with Rue? Like, it's going there. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the Howards, Angela, your favorite scene of the se- of the season. Oh my god. So, Cassie hosts a birthday party for her best friend, Maddie, and the whole girl group is there to celebrate. And while Nate is playing this long game to get together with Cassie, he is temporarily back together with Maddie. Cassie- has- We're not back together, because remember? Oh yeah, they're, they're talking about getting back together. Cassie has a full-on meltdown, because while all of this has been going on, Cassie has basically been trying to transform herself into Maddie 2.0 to get as much of Nate's attention in public as she can. So she progressively gets drunker and drunker as the night goes on. And also, brief segue, Kat is also having a pretty bad night and she confesses to Maddie that she, as much as she wants to, she just doesn't love Ethan and doesn't know what to do about it and feels like there's something wrong with herself. Basically, this party culminates in a shit show. Cassie throws up in violently, like very scarily in the hot tub and everybody freaks out. And speaking of a hot mess, Jules, Rue, and Elliot start to play truth or dare. It very quickly turns to like dirty truth or dare. And meanwhile, they run out of alcohol. So what do they do? Go rob a bodega and get some white claws or what look like white claws. Yep, I think they were white claws. And then unfortunately, Jules sees Rue started to drink again, which makes her uncomfortable as Rue, and to this point, Jules thought was sober, completely sober, hence not be the case. Jules then gets very, very sad and is like, why is Rue doing this? What's happening? Elliot confesses that Rue had been doing drugs. He didn't know her past and Jules and Elliot have sex. Mm-hmm. And then that takes us to episode five, Dan Still Like the Hummingbird. So which it- is a reference to a book by the same name by Henry Miller. So in this episode, it's it's mainly your team. And my favorite <laughs> Labyrinth song. Yes. <laughs> I want to know what it's... I think I know the words, but it is, it is very inappropriate. I want to make sure I'm going to quote it right before I just say this. It is titled, Yeah, I Fucking Did It from Euphoria, an original <laughs> HBO series, which is basically the way I would describe this episode is run, Rue, run. Rue has now been caught doing drugs again. She fights with her mom, fights 
fights with her sisters, runs away from home when they're trying to get into rehab. She runs into traffic. She causes a whole bunch of scenes. She steals from a family. She's going completely nuts. And frankly, watching the episode, I felt like I was running a marathon. Like you're just running with her for a good 45 minutes of this episode. Mm-hmm. We're wrapping it back. When she finds out, or her mother finds out, it's from Jules and Elliot who are there to help. Obviously, doesn't really help and runs away and ends up at her dealer's house after trying to pay up for the drugs through objects and metals and cash she stole and her dealer's like, yeah, no, I need it all in cash, which is where Rue was like, I need a fix, I need something. And this is where the things with the drug dealer get real sketchy because first red flag, which we all were kind of anticipating, she says, the great thing about being a woman is that even we don't have money, you still have something men want. Take that for what you will. And being that she had no more drugs, I do not know drugs very well, so pardon me for the inaccuracy of this. Being that she had no drugs for Rue to snort, she gave her ones through needles, which go directly into your bloodstream. During said process though, she poked extra holes which kind of confused me, but apparently someone said she was doing it like to prep other areas. I didn't notice that part. Cause she went in, mm-hmm. then out, then poked another hole and then mixed it with the blood and then put it in. Oh, I did not notice that. I don't do well with the needles. So I was not watching very closely. So she gives Rue drugs and then Rue wakes up the next morning. Well, Rue wakes up. We don't know if it's the next morning. It's kind of alluded to it might not be and that she's been passed out there. And obviously there's the drug dealer and bodyguards and her loud parrot and Rue was trying to escape eventually does and runs home. Yeah I think the only note from my team in this episode is that when Rue is running around she does run to the Howard's house where her mother thought that she would be and she had all of Rue's friends there ready to stage an intervention. However in true addict fashion Rue deflects and turns the situation upside down and outs Cassie's secret relationship with Nate to Maddie and the rest of their friends. Oh my god, wait, you you forgot the most important part of your last episode. I did. Eric Dane's fake peeing penis. Oh, that wasn't, I was wondering where that was because that wasn't in my summary. Right. Okay, well, we'll, we'll touch on that. Eric Dane, fake penis this season, actually pees because he pees on the floor of his house. As his way to apparently mark his territory and also burn it down. And we are at episode six. A Thousand Little Trees of Blood, which is the title episode reference in a line to Frederick Garcia Lorca's poem, The Martyrdom of St. Eulalia. We're gonna go with Eulalia. Eulalia, that sounds right. Well, we'll check, we'll check the pronunciation, but we're going with Eulalia. In this episode, Re is restart her 12 steps of asking for forgiveness and apologizing. Her sponsor comes over to cook dinner with the younger sister as Rue is going through withdrawal. Take it away. Yeah, ooh, a lot happens here with my team. So Kat has kind of been operating a little bit outside of the group for most of the season. And some say that that's because the director and Barbie, Barbie did not um, get along very well. Yeah. So in this season, she again has one of uh, the best scenes of the season though, when she attempts to break up with Ethan by gaslighting the hell out of him. Should we reenact it? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I'm Kat. You're Ethan. Okay. Okay. Oh my God. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi. Sorry. I was on the phone so long. (laughs) No problem. Like why'd you call me? Oh, I, you know, just to hang out. Okay, you've just seemed busy lately. Oh, well, I, I I didn't want to worry you or anything, but I actually, I have a a, a brain disorder and I'm, I'm gonna die, so yeah. Well, well what is it? I, I tr- trust me, you don't want to know. It's okay. You're just gonna get caught up Googling it and then when I die, it's gonna be really sad because you're gonna know everything and you're not gonna be able to get over me, so it's just better if you don't know. Are you breaking up with me? What? God, no. Like, I mean, I have to. Like, it's, you, I'm gonna, you, you just don't want no, it's okay. It's better off if we're not together. So you want to break up. Do you want to break up? And that continues for about five more minutes. (laughs) Amazing scene. Again, we will link that one. So while that's happening, Maddie now knows that her best friend and ex-boyfriend who she wants to get back together with have secretly been carrying on behind her back the whole time. And she's plotting her revenge on what to do. However, what she does not know is that they are both equally prepared to match her crazy for crazy. And because now Nate is is seriously afraid because he knows that Maddie will do something. Oh, the gun. Yeah, because he knows that Maddie's 
like number one thing is that she's super loyal and she hates if people are disloyal. So he decides to act crazier than she will and plays a game of Russian roulette in her bedroom with his head because he knows that she doesn't want to see anything bad happen to him. So he get, she gives up the tape of his father and Jules so that there's no collateral out there that can hurt him. And then he heads over to Cassie's house and asks her to move in with him. Faye, the friend of Bez's, going to take the trash out and her boyfriend coming to say, hey, I ratted Bez and Ashtray to the cops. Help me to get a good deal. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ends with Nate driving to Jules' house and oh yeah, giving her the tape that he got from Maddie. Mm-hmm. Because he knows that she'll destroy it and won't do anything with it. Which leads us into episode 7 and 8. 7 named The Theater and It's Double, which is a reference to a book by the same name, French playwright Anton Artaud. But the most important thing is tomorrow night's episode, All My Life, My Heart Has Yearned For A Thing I Cannot Name, is a reference to Mad Love by Andre Britton, as quoted by Hunter S. Thompson in his book, <laughs> Hell's Angels <laughs> Motorcycle Gay. Oh, Hunter S. Thompson lived amongst the Hell's Angels. Gilmore Girls. Logan said that to Rory to get her to jump during the Life and Death Brigade stunt. That's where that came from. Full circle, you <laughs> But season seven, but episode seven is part of the two-part finale, which will lead us into our part two of our podcast and the rest. But Lexi's play titled Our Life gets put on, which is obviously our um, imitating life mm-hmm. very directly very clearly. Filming of it is great. You kind of go back to see everything through Lexi's perspective from Rue's father dying to Cassie and her father leaving to Maddie and Nate getting together Mm -hmm. to Lexi and Rue on a roof preparing for high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah you get a lot of events that have only been alluded to or described then put on through Lexi's perspective and I think what's really great about this episode is it starts out with Lexi asking Fezco what he thinks people are going to think of it because she's starting to get scared because she hasn't told anyone in her life that she's writing a play on them. And she's hoping that they're all going to know that it's coming from good intentions and that she's not trying to be cruel. But I don't know. What do you think? Cruel? Good? I think fine as this is leading into the finale. The other big plot line is she saved a seat for Fez. Fezco has been helping her through. Fezco has not shown up as in we think something with the police and Ashtray are gonna start to happen. Mm-hmm. That's kind of going on as Fez is running super late to the production. And obviously as everyone's saying this, we love the fact that Rue is having a ball watching this. She's completely in love with it. I was really afraid when she was Lexi was talking about her dad dying but it's it all seems sweet. I don't think it's cool that she put it in there. That's not her story to tell. Mm-hmm. I understand why in the dynamics but this the, the way the episode ends is with a scene representing Nate Jacob mm-hmm. played by Ethan, who is a jack of all trades. He plays parents, mothers, fathers, teachers, photographers, everyone, coaches, with everyone. Every he's a great swing in this play. Him representing Nate on the football team, working out in the gym together. Similarly, into the style of the intro to episode three in Cal's Homerotica, this is Nate. They do a montage to the song "Holding Out for Our Hero" by Bonnie Tyler. So it's Ethan as Nate with the rest of the football team in the weight room slash locker room, just completely getting it on to this song. Nate obviously is not pleased, storms off, Cassie follows him. He kicks her out of his house and tells her she needs to leave because that's her sister. And the episode ends with Cassie's steam and big eyes glaring through the glass pane, looking back into the theater. Mm -hmm. So what we can tell from the previews for the next episode, I think Cassie's gonna storm the stage. And Maddie's gonna fight Cassie on stage in front of the entire school. For each team, we each get one prediction. For team Angela of, I'm really waiting for Maddie to kick Cassie's ass. I think we all are. That's like my big rooting for. I cannot wait for it. Like anyone who was like team Cassie and the Euphoria Super Bowl, why? I don't get it. Okay, what's your one? I think Ashtray is going to jail. No, on your team. Oh, on my team. Okay. Oh my god. I just think like Maddie is going to beat Cassie. Cassie is going to get a good, few good hits in for Lexi. And I think 
when Nate gets home from this, Cal is gonna be there. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of Cal Jacobs. I think I he's hope we haven't seen the last of Cal Jacobs. Yeah, I think he's popping back up. Okay. And then for my team, my one prediction is one of my lovely team members for today will be killed. <laughs> like, don't know which one, but one of them. Yes. And like you said, you think Asher's going to jail. Yeah. So you won't hear a gap. We're gonna take a gap and see you after the finale. Bye guys. We're back. I don't know what scary <laughs> movie that's from, but it's from one. And I was like mid like gargle. So it actually got like the high Elmo pitch I wasn't aiming for. But you're welcome listeners. Our predictions were pretty spot on. Yeah, we weren't wrong, but we weren't fully right either. I said someone on my team was gonna die. Okay, that's true. Yours is fully correct. Were you screaming during that whole scene? I can assume so from the text that you sent me, but... Okay, we're, we're, we're starting at the beginning? Yeah, we're starting at the beginning. As soon as that happened, like, I knew it was gonna happen, but, like, Sam Levinson, I have, like, a big bone to pick with him. Some scenes, like the Zendaya running, every few seconds, moving the camera, turning, running, in the trash can, out of the trash can, running away from the dog. Mm-hmm. And then some scenes, like the spoilers, but we'll try to do spoilers light, first murder of the night, just lingered on that scene. Too long. I almost fast forward it because I'm like, I can't handle this. Right? Like... Oh, I was gonna warn you more, but then you said to stop saying anything. So I was like, okay, I won't say anything. Few scenes that it's not a quick thing. Honestly, it sounds really bad, but I was pretty much fine with it. The thing that really got me was just Ash. Why, buddy? That was really dumb. That was so dumb. I don't, and here's the thing. Have we even covered, do we know how old Ash is in the series? Is he 11? 10? I said 12, but you said 10 or 11. Okay, what, whatever age he is, I get it. But come on, man, you run the security for the entire operation and you didn't think to check if there was a wire involved? Ashtray is 14 in the first season of Euphoria. Oh, he was a, okay. Which is kind of terrifying because it says actor is six years old. <laughs> let, let me just see what they mean by that. Maybe he started acting when he was six. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's four. Uh, he plays a 14 year old though, which is the important. In season one, he's 11. So season two would be 12. 12, which would make him 12 or 13 at most. We're in the range. Okay. My first few notes from this part started with going back to the positive. As in the suit is fire. Fitted. Black tie. Perfection. Chef's kiss. Um, And then I said, my next comment was, say, WTF using your hands? Because everyone is sighted in this scene. Like, why are you signaling with your hands? Then my next note is, Fez the farmer and Little House on the Prairie. Got it. Okay. Um, Lexi and Jackson Belleville, similar. Three and at 30, four and four. They would be, they would be a perfect cross series pair. Before, before we get into that, my big note is I wrote down, I don't want to Google the scraps. I want to peel back the layers. All the men take note. When he's, when he's talking to Lexi through their little montage and they're talking about getting to know people and he says, I'm literally Lexi, fuck my life. Other than the writing thing, that's Angela. How so? Okay, what makes you think you're Lexi? I mean, I think the whole episode shows the whole like, storyteller versus story participant very into changing people lets things happen versus making things happen until the play obviously Mm -hmm. and how does that make you feel i mean i've been working on it since college so lexi has a few more years to get her shit together but it was very Mm -hmm. like i could see myself in lexi i could see myself a little bit in lexi too but mine came later in the episode now back to the moment we've all been waiting for our life Starts off with Cassie dragon breathing on the door. She had her, I'm gonna throw up like in the hot tub face again. (laughs) Kind of like you, she has like one kind of face that you can't really read, but you know it's not good. (laughs) Okay, one, I don't like Cassie with stick straight hair. That is not a good look on her. I think it's also the middle part. Yeah, too. I'm not liking her with Nate Jacobs hairstyle. I love how they decided to like have her whole walk down the aisle up to the stage like essentially announced through like Godzilla stomps. 
And the best part is the scene she interrupted. The carnival from season (laughs) one. So meta. Cassie fighting Cassie. When I saw fake Maddie in the, I don't know if it's the real IMG outfit or the inspired by one, I was like, oh my God, they're doing the carnival. Cassie is interrupting the carnival scene. Mm -hmm. I know. I love of all the things that Lexi decided to put in there, she put that in. There is no way, even if she and Lexi were on the best of terms, they were best friends and sisters, that would not be okay to put in. And then I said, I liked woke Cassie bringing up the underprivileged females of Afghanistan and then bringing that other girl who brought up like the 325 for the other fruit, I believe it was, or for something. Oh yeah, for the orange. I wonder, is that actually, I'm gonna have to go back and see if that's actually in season one. I love the guy who said what I think Angela would hopefully say, which is, is this part of the play? Maybe. I don't know. I could see myself more just sitting there being like, okay, this is it. I don't think I'd interrupt. I could see myself far more being the, I forget the stage director's name. It's really bad. I've just been calling her squeaky all season, but I could see myself just sitting there being like, yes, this is part of the play. This is the genius of Lexi Howard. Just let it play. We'll do a poll on our Instagram. And huge shout out to Suze. I loved her up there trying to diffuse the situation. Keyword trying. Played by Ethan. Yes. And actual Suze who came on stage. Well, yeah, but when she comes on stage, she's like, and me played by Ethan and then brings him out. Yes. Hallie steals Marta's boyfriend. Okay, that is the true, that is truly the greatest audience participation right there. When whoever that girl was, was like, wait, Hallie steals Marta's boyfriend? And then Maddie starts answering her from her seat, which then takes us into the greatest event that we have all been waiting for. Since Maddie found out the beatdown of Cassie Howard, which I loved and I'm also disappointed by. We do not support violence against women. There we go. That's the word. But Maddie and Cassie have not had this argument and we have been waiting for it. Did they argue or did they just fight? So that's where I'm a little torn on this. So, okay. First of all, I love that Maddie just decided that she needed to go up on stage and insert herself into the situation. I then love Cassie's response where she is totally willing to take on her sister, the other girl that's playing her, and her mother, but not Maddie. And then she decides to run away. Cassie is smart. She knows who she can date. Yeah, pretty much. But then as we see Maddie chasing her, like she's not giving it her all. So like, you know, she kind of really doesn't want to catch Cassie and hurt her. She smashes Cassie into a wall. That was a light smash though. It wasn't like a true Hulk smash. It was like a I want to make you feel it, but I'm also like pulling my punches smash. We saw the montage earlier in the season where Maddie was like really going hard on like girls that she was like slamming their heads into walls. Like she was pulling back with Cassie, which is part of what I like as well because she's like, you can tell like she's still recognizing like this is my best friend. Like I'm so insanely mad at her, but I don't want to hurt her. No. Do you have other thoughts? I mean, I felt vindicated, but we can continue. Well, I mean, how where how did you interpret it? I thought Maddie kicked her butt. She could have picked her butt more. And I think Maddie took it easy because also Maddie knows that like she didn't want to be arrested for manslaughter. I mean, I still think there's like a few lines before manslaughter, but I think where Maddie's like true justification, feelings of vindication might have come in were like with Cassie realizing that she was no better than Maddie later on in the episode. And we could talk about that when that comes. Then Rue goes, or there's a flashback where Rue goes to see Elliot and thanks him for saving her life and giving him credit. And then he sings a song to her, which is kind of a downer mid-fight. Well, it kind of ends the fight. It's the transition out of the fight. Mm -hmm. And once again, I think he got to sing the full song. I was very good and did not skip through it. It was a nice song. I get the point. I get where they want it to lead to. But like I was on a high with Maddie and Cassie and this just was like, we get it. Rue's crying. She's embracing her feelings. I want to go watch Cassie get more injured. I just, I don't understand the point of Elliot at this point. I get what he was trying to say through his song and everything, but I just, I don't see him. He's not giving main character energy anymore. He came in hot at the beginning of the season and now I'm just like, your time has ended. He's exit the stage. Yeah, he was Rue's new friend. He was making a very like clear space for himself in her life. A clear space, not as big, but also a space in his life. And after everything that's happened, there's just, I don't see that connection anymore. Oh, well, yeah, I get that friendship, but I still don't think that was main character energy. I think this season was like 
Cassie main character energy. Mm-hmm. And Fesco Rue was definitely the observer energy. this season. She needed a break. Mm-hmm. But yay, in women supporting women, Rue rallied and cheered for Lexi to continue the play after the short little incident. And she dedicated it to Fezco, even though he couldn't be there. Because now, flashing back to his apartment, he has to deal with cleaning up his little brother's mess and definitely going. Is it too much of a spoiler if I say going to jail? No. Yeah, because definitely that, going to jail. Yeah, but they intertwine this with the scene with our first spotting of the 6'5 Aussie with a bad American accent, Nate Jacobs and Truck. Driving to Cal's building where he is with a bunch of sex workers, one could Mm -hmm. presume, and tries to work out all of his daddy trauma issues. I went through so many, not emotions, but just so many different thoughts there. Like first in the car, oh my god, is Nate Jacobs going to kill himself? Then getting out of the car, oh no, who is Nate Jacobs going to kill? Oh god, is Nate Jacobs going to kill his father? And then finally, again, is Nate Jacobs going to kill himself? It was a roller coaster. I thought he was going to shoot off his penis at one point at the position of the gun, and I got kind of confused. I did too. But then when he saw the USB, turns at his father, and then my comment to wrap this scene up is, Nate is bad, Nate is bad, Nate is bad. Bad, but great jawline and i also think again given the fact that we have him and eric dane standing next to each other i think that is enough to fully support the fact that jacob lordy is actually six seven and not six five that would be on account that eric dane's height is correctly reported as well yes of which i'm going to believe our lord and savior google is all knowing there i've had google three times in the past month tell me people with the same last names who were siblings or not and it almost got me to give a very incorrect start a fake news scandal on this podcast (laughs) the climax of the episode this is like the spoiler for the episode it's not really a spoiler if you've been watching but like the confirmed like kapow moment so you have three two one angela will put a timestamp in the description the police come because bone that was recording the confession was no longer in service because it was put in a seven up cup and the police are there to raid and fesco decides that he is going to take the rap for this tells ash to get out run out surrender himself say that he had nothing to do with it he's absolutely going to take the fall and then ashtray young dumb kid that he is decides that he wants to go out in a gunfight with the police and locks himself in the bathroom with an automatic weapon multiple automatic weapons all the guns and bullets in the in the vicinity mm-hmm. he takes everything yep and i mean okay here here's my first point ashtray you know the layout of your apartment you know from where Vesco was outside of the door there are not many places that he can go and you still decide to shoot directly at him well my question is gonna be do we know who shot fez ashtray that's what i thought yeah dude you know you're he's in the hallway there's nowhere to go what were you thinking you dummy and then you continue to shoot well like winding it back for a minute when the cop walks in and like the gun the laser is pointed at the first murder victim and he like checks the pulse like really the blood and the open neck we're gonna check a pulse now I mean, there have been real life stories about people who have survived injuries like that for days. So like not completely inaccurate, but I think inaccurate to the scene because I don't think that they actually like would have cared that much to check. Yeah, I don't think they would have cared. And then I wrote much worse than I expected. Not that we didn't all know how the scene was going to end or what was going to happen, but like the amount of automatic bullets they just like let go through the bathroom wall of where Ashtray was having the shootout was like, it was too much for me personally. Like I started to feel like my, my nervous system, like I felt like I was too close to that situation viscerally. Completely forgot about their grandmother in the bedroom. How is she not hit? Is she hit? Are we ever going to find out? Well, no. The quick little thing of we don't know what happened to the grandma. And also, Lori was nowhere to be seen, which all the spoilers told me something was going to happen. So like that whole plot line is just like a gaping hole. Wait, like Lori was in the preview for this episode? In a lot of the spoilers I read. Oh, I don't trust any of those. I mean, they said that as we are getting to now, RIP Ashtray. Yeah, I mean, that was I don't think is so much of a stretch but particularly like where Lori is concerned I wasn't necessarily expecting to see her again I think she is going to be a major player in the next season though time will tell Mm -hmm. shootout obviously turns very south at one last insane attempt on Ashtray's part plays dead shoots the cop in front of him and then just knows it's over (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Because at that point, he has nowhere to go. And I don't know. I, I haven't gotten back to that in my rewatch yet. But I am a little interested to see like if he dropped the gun, if he made a move to shoot again, or what was going on before he was shot. No, the laser was just on his head. He was just sitting there. And then it went to Fez yelling and crying. I really don't like not knowing what's happened to Fezco because as we've said, he's been shot, now arrested. By Ashtray? We don't know. Shot by Ashtray. Laid on the ground for a very long time before the police picked him up. We know he's still alive, but are we going to see him in the hospital? Like what's going to happen? Well, we'll round out Lexi's trips to the hospital in a lovely montage we got going back to the play. I really thought that's where it was going to end up. I did not think it was fair for Alexi to use the real eulogy, similarly to kind of like center this around Rue's dad's death. Mm -hmm. Who also thought it was okay to let Rue go to this play alone? Lexi, I know y'all aren't on the best terms right now, but like, did you think about giving her a heads up? No, Lexi didn't think about giving anyone a heads up because she was incredibly naive concerning the reactions that the people portrayed would have. But it's not even the reaction, like it's not her story. But Lexi thinks it is her story. Yeah, no. And when she ends the play using the real photo of them, it's like, well, if you didn't already know that the story was actually about my life and my friend group, here's a photo of us across the stage for you to know who the real people are in our life, aka my life. Oh my God, seriously. Also, I totally felt for Lexi in that moment because I have definitely been at funerals where people have brought cameras to take pictures because they're like, oh, well, the whole family's together. Let's get some updated pictures of everyone. The Christmas card. Yeah. No bueno. Just don't do that, guys. I think the true queen moment was back in the bathroom with the girls of Cassie, Kat, and Maddie. Maddie is icing her foot, which no free fee content, HBO. But Maddie like looks over at Cassie and Cassie's trying to garner sympathy, rebuild their friendship, Olive Branch or something. And Maddie just says, it's only the beginning, I believe, is the line. And then walks away. True mic drop moment. Maddie all the way. But seriously, like I think she's able to do that because you can see it set in in Cassie's face that no matter what she thinks or feels, like she is on this roller coaster ride with Nate until he is done with her. Her time with Nate is not going to be any better than what she saw with Maddie because it's not an issue of her being better than Maddie, her loving him more than Maddie, being a better person, anticipating more of his needs, like nothing like that. It's just about how Nate wants to use her. And I think that's finally setting in. You're stuck now, girl, with a really bad hairstyle. And like the clothing is not flattering. And that's saying a lot because Sydney Sweeney really can't wear anything. She really can. And the thing is, too, it's like some of the stuff that Nate put Maddie in also didn't look good. It's just like, it's Nate. It's not them. It's Nate. Nate doesn't pick out clothes correctly for women's bodies. What a shocker. Jules and Rue get a lovely little reunion at the end of the play. And the- I really liked that. Yeah, I thought it was good. And this season ends with Rue admitting she stayed clean through the school year, which I was like, oh my God, yay. And then I realized, oh my God, this is like spring semester. So like, what do we got? Like two months? <laughs> like not as big of an accomplishment as I originally thought it was going to be, but still mm-hmm. progress is progress. I just thought like, I was like, oh my gosh, like I made it through the next school year or something. I was like, oh my God, like that's a year, like good for Rue. And I was like, oh no, the end of the school year. <laughs> so like we're in like what, April? Yep. So she made it May and June? Yeah, it's, I don't know. My prediction is that's where Lori's going to come in. There's too much heat at the moment between the whole Fezco mouse, her potentially kidnapping a teenager kind of thing. So I think she's probably going to scoop Rue up during the summertime. See, the sad thing is I don't even think she's going to need to do it. Maybe not. I think I like to think that Rue takes some time and really works on herself. And then there's some kind of outside influence that happens to really pull her back in. But you never know. My thing is, I don't think Lori is, go- like you said, like Lori's going to have to approach Rue. I think Rue's going to be the one to approach. I don't think it's going to be because she's like drugs again, but I do think like Rue is going to talk to Lori, not the other way around. Do we think Cassie and Maddie are going to be friends in the next season? I feel that Euphoria has kind of kept their plot lines to the groups as in our first part of this episode. Mm-hmm. 
So for like Maddie and Cassie to not be at least in the same plot line, I can't see happening. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't necessarily think they'll be like good friends. I could see at least another season before they're on regular speaking terms. I can see them like still floating around in the same way. I think Cassie's probably going to have to make some new friends. That could possibly bring in some interesting additions. But I think Maddie, Kat, and is it BB? Yes. They're very squarely going to do their own thing. I would like to see Jules with them. I would like to see Jules spend more time with them just because I feel like otherwise, who who does she hang out with? Elliot. See, I didn't even get the impression that they were hanging out together. Eric Dane is not dead, thank goodness. He is arrested, but as a good Christian father and builder upper of, I don't know, the school's East Highlands, so maybe Highland City or wherever they live, I can't see him lasting in jail very long. Mm-hmm. I just, okay, so he's been arrested for solic- solicitation, sex with a minor, child pornography, um, yes. making and distributing pornography. Uh, Which I don't think is necessarily crime. I think you just have to do it in a certain way. Like, I don't think, is there a license or something? I don't know. I'm not looking that up because I don't want that on my computer. So sorry, guys. That's just not going to make it into the show notes. I mean, at nonetheless, all of those things with a minor would be a yes. Yes. So I don't know. Interesting. That's just, that's so dark. Literally an episode ago, two episodes ago, Nate just promised Jules that she was the only one to have that video. And then he's like, just kidding. There's a copy handing it over to the police. Well, we don't know that Jules is on the tape. But as far as we know, she was the only minor. Yes, but statistically, I would say no. I mean, possibly. Like if we eliminate like known facts, Cal Jacobs has been arrested or so if it doesn't involve a minor solicitation how long can he actually be in jail so it's like did nate and nate has always been so calculated so did he decide that blowing up his entire family's reputation was worth his father's unhappiness because a few episodes ago he highly valued that reputation and would do anything that he could to protect it i guess kind of like understanding that motivation is where i'm still at i mean i think he says that but i don't think that's really true his actions don't show that I don't think he gives a crap about his family's reputation. So then why fight so hard to get that tape back from Maddie? Is it just because he had it so Maddie couldn't have it? Because she would connect it to him? I mean, Reddit and the internet's theory is that Nate's in love with Jules. Oh yeah, he totally is. He wants them all to be Jules. So how would that not be enough to get the tape back? Like that's not worth it enough for you to think what he would do, he did. He would do what he did. I mean, it is, but just the way that he so bold, the way that he boldly pursued the avenue that he did to get the tape back made me feel like it was more about his father and his family at the time, but it could all relate back to Jules. I mean, are you putting his father and his father issues in the same category? Yes. Do you think they belong in separate categories? Well, like you would put your problems with dad and the way daddy issues affect the rest of the world in the same category. Yes. I don't know. Because I feel that if it was mainly about Jules, it would have been far easier for him to just step away from the Cassie of it all, play a longer game with Maddie, and then get that tape back. But Jules wants something to do with him. And at least Cassie's blonde. Yeah. But and you could also say he's mattifying mattifying her, but like also the colors was Jules thing. Maddie wore darker colors and more traditional like bad bitch things, and that's not what Cassie's wearing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't necessarily think of him so much as trying to make Cassie into Maddie, so much as just getting to play with a living doll and liking the different forms that he had. And he's just not that good at dress up. I'm sorry. I don't know, but we can all be great. Everyone in the Jacobs family survived for season three. Okay, you know what I'm really curious about though? So you know in the Jacobs family house when you, in like that very first pilot episode when Nate walks upstairs and he walks by the family photo, they have three sons. We've only met two. Where's the third? Yes. He's never been mentioned. Fan theories wanted it to be Elliot. Interesting. Why Elliot? I don't know, but in his interview on Jimmy Fallon, where he also confirmed Tom Dea, he talked about that being one of the theories and being like, huh. 
Reddit has a point. How so? What What is the point? I don't know. He didn't say. You can put it in the show notes. What you think Reddit? What What you think Reddit has to say? Okay, I'll check it out. But also, just really quickly on Tom Dea, HBO, you missed such an opportunity. You should have put Tom Holland in the first half of our life. He belonged on that football There's, team. That wouldn't do anything though to progress his career. I'm just surprised no one on TikTok has taken that and montaged it with the umbrella lip sync battle yet. I hope someone does. Like, I really, I really hope they are able to do that. Maybe find a way to get him out of the lingerie and into the football pants. Objectifying Tom Hall in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. All day, every day over here. Also, just putting it out there. Tom Dea, you can call me, both of you. To triple? Why not? Yeah. I'll sign NDAs whatever what is it that was the thing right from call her daddy like the girl who went home with leonardo dicaprio she had to sign an nda before she got in the house i'll i'll look it up for the show notes i'll go back and listen to some call her daddy there you go that would have been fantastic i'm trying to decide if there was anything that i that was missing from this season hot take i need jules to apologize to rue for sleeping with elliot i need them to admit they slept together first i think rue knows i agree they need to admit to it but i think she knows and i need jules to admit that she fucked up because she was in a committed monogamous relationship and she completely called rue out for having a crush on elliot at the beginning of the season which i also don't think was rue's crush i think that was jules having a crush and pushing that externally onto Rue and making her work through her feelings for her. Better to be Lexi and work it out on stage. Seriously though, should we do some predictions for season three or maybe do like a quick thing on where we would like to see the season go? Um, breaking news? Season three will not be out until 2024? I'm sorry, what? I'm trying to fact check this at, as we speak, but I'm not confirming it. That is so rude. Euphoria season three release date, Thailand, blah, blah, blah. Season three, however, there's no news on whether season three will be released. Um, I would like to speak to the manager of Euphoria, Drake. What's going on, buddy? Apparently I have a source coming in right now breaking news to prove if this is true. I am, I am, I'm not okay. It is still not sent. So we can move on until I can confirm such facts. All right, so one, starting out. Obviously, from the way that this story is being told, either Rue is going to die at some point, or she is We're telling all this gonna story, die at some point. Or she is telling this story from the future to someone else, possibly sharing her story in a rehab, telling her story to another person. Um, maybe she's sponsoring something like that. That is the full way that we're looking at this. Or Rue is telling this story like from the dead. Do we think that might happen in season three? Because the way I mean, that if this... they want to like wrap up season three, then yeah, they want the show to be over. I mean, possibly. Just okay. Just looking at them though, looking at Maud Apatow, I feel like she has possibly changed the most since the first season to now. So how much longer can these Did guys play high schoolers? The most? Like physically changed. I thought she looked a lot older than she did in the first season. Not like not to shade Maude Apatow and say she looks old. I think she just, she no longer looks sophomore-like to me. Oh, I very much disagree. I don't think she looks any different. My question is like, did she change or did he just, did she just get a lot more screen time? I don't know. I'm about to go back and watch season one and two together and I will let you all know. But yeah, particularly if they are going to wait another two Okay, that told me nothing except that Euphoria got renewed for a season three. It didn't give me a date. Got it. Okay, but say we're okay. It's maybe the rumors we're are unlikely true. to get a new season. We are unlikely to get a new season until 2024. Okay. Remember this feeling, now streaming. I'm hoping that's a song because I'd rather not remember the pain you just made me endure. <laughs> tie true. or no tie. Always wear the. T mm -hmm. Actually, this time Fez, I go no tie. I normally Agreed. would say tie, but on Fez, I didn't. I ain't need one. Fez doesn't look like he's in high school anymore, for being honest. No, he does not. Fez never looked old enough to be in high school. Like what? He was always like what? He's got to be twenty in the series. Twenty-one. How old is Fezco in Euphoria? Fezco has entered his 20s. I'm still kind of hoping not much older than 21, 22, though, because Lexi is still 16. Shh. This is television. And we're not supposed to think about such things, but here we are. But do you, do you have, like, one big prediction for season three? I don't have a prediction, but I want Zendaya to stay sober. <laughs> I want that as well. I also want to see her have more time with Gia in school. That could be cute. They could be sister BFFs. You can either have them go to school together 
Or you can have Rue Sober. You don't get both on Euphoria. <laughs> you don't get both at East Highlander. You don't get both. And on that note, thank you for listening to this Wait, episode. Wait, what's your prediction? Oh, my prediction is that Nate Jacobs will make a play for Jules in season three again. And I can see her being more open to it this time. Okay. And on that note, thank you for listening to this episode of In Omnia Paratus. Grab your coffee bowls and don't forget to rate, download, and follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, where you lead will follow, so head on over to at InOmniaPod on Instagram and let us know what you'd like to hear about in the comments. Bye! Oh, this is kind of dark. I just was like, I'm going to try to quote a character say something sassy. But I just pulled up the trailer for season one and right where it says like series three or June 16th, Zendaya with the metallic tear, it just says feel something. <laughs> I mean, you could just go with bitch, you're my soulmate.